0: Good morning, it's Friday, August 2nd, and you're listening to the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz, a daily podcast catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news all within 15 minutes or fewer. My name is Connor Tapp, and I am not joined this weekday by 24-7 Sports College Sports Editor Trey Scott, nor will the Virginia Tech Hokies be joined by defensive coordinator Bud Foster beginning in the 2020 season. Since 1987, we've had two Virginia Tech head football coaches, and the Hokies have won seven conference championships across two different conferences. Since 1987, we've had six different United States presidents, two separate invasions of Iraq, and three rounds of conference realignment in college sports that have seen the Hokies move from having no conference affiliation at all into the Big East in 1991 and then to the ACC in 2004. Their coaching ball in Blacksburg, Virginia, through it all, has been Bud Foster, who announced on Thursday that he would retire as the Hokies defensive coordinator at the conclusion of the 2019 season. Here to help us process this information is Evan Watkins of VT Scoop. Evan, I, I don't think it's hyperbolic to say that Bud Foster feels like a college football institution and has won the admiration of people across the country who have no other cause to be emotionally invested in the Hokies. And what I saw today was shock from other fan bases and media members alike. Were you as caught off guard by this as the rest of us or for someone like yourself who's neck deep in Hokie football every day, did you maybe see this coming a little bit?
1: I think that you could kind of see that it was a possibility, but most people, myself included, thought that Virginia Tech would do a very open-ended, loosely worded contract extension for Bud Foster, giving him the opportunity to leave at any time over the next few years. I I anticipated uh, them at some point extending him out to 2024. That's the length of Justin Fuente's contract. And I thought that that's what they would do with a – no buyout clause, and basically make it where it's up to him how long he wants to work. We had heard for weeks that they were working on a contract extension on the possibility of him staying in Blacksburg, and that's what a lot of people thought today's announcement was going to be to kick off the uh, the fall camp when uh, Justin Fuente took to the podium. But, you know, obviously uh, a little bit before Virginia Tech kicked off their official media day, um, you know, the buzz started to go a little bit that that Bud could be retiring at the end of the season. And then, you know, he goes in and announces it. And I, I think that it was it was a bit surprising, especially the way that they did it right before fall camp, not waiting until the end of the season, not maybe not announcing it before uh, or at the end of last season. Um, just kind of kind of preparing the fan base. You know, I think the timing of it was a little bit interesting, but you know, Bud Foster said that it was uh, something that was weighing on him heavily. I don't think any Virginia Tech fan or, or any fan of college football that have followed Bud Foster would look at him and think, you know, he's going to coach another ten years. I think that was unfeasible. I think he's got a few more years in him before he was ready to ride off and uh, you know do his own thing. But. Thirty-three years at Virginia Tech, the defenses that he's put out there, the the reputation that he has, he's kind of earned the right to do it his way, and he wanted to go out on his terms. Uh, you know, that was a big, a big point for him, and he wanted to get it out of the way and, and give his players one one more year uh, of him on the sidelines, and and then we'll see what happens after that. But you know, I think it was it was a a surprise for pretty much anyone other than Justin Fuente Wit Babcock the athletic director uh, and Bud Foster I think there were a little bit of rumors out there and maybe a little indication here and there um, and you we, we all knew that it would be fairly soon um, but for it to come today and be at the end of this season, I think it was a surprise for most of everyone.
0: Yeah, when I was researching my intro there, I, I realized that the last time a college football season began without just or without Bud Foster coaching the Hokies in some capacity, I wasn't born yet. So it's going to feel awfully, awfully weird next year. Um, this, this, uh, so this news comes after in after a season where the Hokies had a massive drop off in and the quality of their defense going from number seven in the country in S&P plus in 2017 to number 77 a year ago. But I mean, that was like the first indication, at least outwardly to national folks like myself, like there were any cracks in the foundation. And I know there were a lot of outgoing transfers and just all kinds of chaos uh, with last year's team. So I guess, was there any 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 feeling among people who cover the Hokies or fans that maybe Bud had lost his fastball to a degree here?
1: You know, I don't think so. I don't think that last year was an indication of, of Bud Foster. I think last year was a little bit of a perfect storm, especially on the defense. When you looked at what Virginia Tech lost, players going early, two first-round picks going early, a guy like Tim Settle leaving as a redshirt sophomore, then you had your entire secondary, the entire secondary other than Reggie Floyd left. Then you had starting corners were Adonis Alexander and Jeremy Webb. Adonis Alexander academically un, uh, disqualified and went into the supplemental draft. And then you had Jeremy Webb tear his Achilles. So you lost pretty much that entire defense. Virginia Tech lost their entire first and second string linebackers, you know, losing a starting D tackle. Trayvon Hill, the, the most probably uh, explosive defensive end that they've had up there for a few years, getting kicked off the team after uh, three games into the season. Uh, And when you look at what they had in the secondary, they were starting Caleb Farley, who had never played a game at corner in his life. Um, Then you had Bryce Watts, a true sophomore, who hadn't really logged more than probably five snaps on defense uh, as a true freshman. So Virginia Tech was really kind of a a perfect storm, a perfect mixture of – Early departures, guys getting uh, uh, dismissed, and just just youth and in uh, inexperience across the board on defense. I think even a guy like Bud Foster, maybe he could have hit it a little bit. You know, they, they came out and they played fired up against Florida State. He hit a little bit of those uh, inefficiencies. Um, but the further you go in the season, when you start getting some injuries, maybe get some guys banged up for a couple games, or you had a guy like Trayvon Hill dismissed. Uh, you you really started to see that Virginia Tech was playing with, you know, essentially a freshman and sophomore team. As the season went on, late in the season, there were times when we'd be sitting in the press box counting 10 or 11 freshmen on the field at a time for the Hokies on defense. And, you know, it doesn't matter how good of a coordinator you are. I think that Bud Foster is probably one of the best in the country and likely a a college football Hall of Famer. But when you're dealing with that kind of – collegiate inexperience and just youth across the board. It's really hard to uh, to put out a formidable defense. I think that there were some flashes that were shown. There were some guys that stepped up and you know I think the Hokies uh, addressed some of these issues in the offseason with some some JUCO uh, transfers that have come in on the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, I, I wouldn't say that Bud Foster last year was indicative of him or or of his, you know, people figuring out his scheme or what he does I think his history and his record over the last 33 years really does speak for itself. And when you look at last year in the, in the grand scheme of things, it was just kind of a, uh, a bump in the road that happened due to a perfect storm of guys getting, uh, getting in trouble or leaving early for the NFL or, or, you know, some guys that he coached up and, and got them to the point where they had an opportunity to, uh, to earn some, some money at the professional level. So yeah, I, w- I wouldn't think it's indicative of anything, and I'm interested to see how the defense responds this year, a year older, uh, returning 10 of 11 starters from last year. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, that this team is ready to to run through a wall for Bud Foster and kind of send him out the right way. So, you know, I, I think this year might be a little bit more indicative, but when you look at his history and what he's put on the field week in and week out, you know, I, I think that he, his, he kind of uh, – as the ability to, to take a down year and, and not really think too much about it.
0: This news comes at a fairly pivotal time for Justin Fuente's program. How does this news that, that this is, is going to be coming at the end of the season, how does this impact what they're trying to get done on the recruiting trail?
1: You know, with Virginia Tech's class this year, it's going to be a very small class. So they've been very selective of who they're taking. Right now they only have a handful of commits, They look like they're only going to sign about 12. They have four scholarship seniors uh, on their roster right now. So space is very limited. So when it comes to uh, looking at that and looking at who they've taken on the defensive side, there's four defensive commitments right now. One of them is a linebacker uh, that that could possibly maybe look at some other options. Um, He's a guy that's super athletic out of New Jersey, Tyreen Powell. Other than that, you have a couple defensive linemen and a cornerback whose coaches right now will be staying. But you know, over the next few months until the December signing period and the February signing period for Virginia Tech, it's all about being up front and being uh, being able to sell this as you know who could be the next defensive coordinator. How could you fit in their scheme? Will the defensive coordinator bring some guys with? And there's definitely a a, a uh, little bit of a puzzle piece here that. You can't see the end goal because it's not a quick hire. Virginia Tech's not going to go out and hire somebody in the next two weeks to coach them next year. It's going to go throughout the season. It'll be after the season, and then they'll, they'll try to figure out where they want to go and, and, and get all their, their hiring done. So I think over the next few months for Virginia Tech, it's really just trying to be transparent with the defensive recruits, let them know football will still be played in Blacksburg after Bud Foster leaves, and, and the defense will continue to uh, – to be a staple of Virginia Tech's uh, football program, and you know, let, keep them in the loop about what's going on with the uh, the hiring process. And I think everything will work itself out. And uh, for Virginia Tech, the big thing for them will be the 2021 class, where they look like they'll be able to take a full class, a full 25, and keeping those those uh, interested parties, the uh, rising juniors, keeping those guys very interested in Virginia Tech, and uh, and just keeping the transparency open, letting them know. Who could be the next coach and who they could play for? I think that will be really really beneficial
0: moving forward all right Evan Watkins covers virginia Tech for twenty four seven sports you can find him on twitter at Evan g Watkins two four seven thanks Evan. A pair of high-profile transfers were denied waivers to play in 2019 on Thursday. Former Ohio State quarterback Matthew Baldwin, who transferred from Columbus after the arrival from Georgia of Justin Fields, will have to sit out a year at TCU, where he was competing with Kansas State transfer Alex Delton and a few other returning Horned Frog passers. Tennessee head coach Jeremy Pruitt was operating under the assumption that safety D'Angelo Gibbs would not win his waiver application, and that is indeed what has come to pass. The former top 50 prospect and Georgia Bulldog will have to wait until 2020 to suit up in the orange and white. Penn State lost an elite 2021 commitment on Thursday when four-star Baltimore wideout Dante Thompson reopened his recruitment, leaving the Nittany Lions with just one player pledged to sign with next year's class. Mack Brown is not the first to float this idea, but he might be the first sitting Power Five head coach to do so. During a Thursday appearance on the Paul Feinbaum show, the former national champion head coach said that he would make room for all five conference champions in a six-team playoff with an at-large in the middle mix as well. He would also remove the games from the schedule that are just, quote, scrimmages for money and have the non-Power 5 schools play their own playoff championship. Though it was almost assuredly on the books before Mac Brown was hired, the Tar Heels do have a November 23rd date with Mercer. It could be a big weekend for Mac Brown's old team, the Texas Longhorns, as five-star running back Bijan Robinson is set to announce his college decision on Friday. And four-star safety Chris Thompson Jr. is committing on Sunday. Tom Herman and company are heavy favorites in the 24-7 sports crystal ball to land both. Four-star defensive tackle Kedrick Bingley-Jones commits on Saturday. The Charlotte product is 100% to the home state Tar Heels in the crystal ball. That's going to do it for today's episode of the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to leave us a 5-star rating on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend to check us out. I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you bright and early on Monday for the next edition of the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz.